Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome to episode 38 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much for joining me. We've made it to another Sunday. We have a wonderful guest in store today. Uh, one of my f- favorite all-time guest stars from Stargate SG-1. Uh, a character that is very important to me and someone that I've just been ecstatic to get. Uh, before we bring Mel Harris in... Just want to let you know how uh, the show is going to run. So first, I'm going to have questions uh, for Mel. At the same time, the YouTube chat, uh, which is happening right now at youtube.com slash dial the gate, is the place where you can ask your question to Mel as well. And I have moderators uh, standing by. Just a big thank you to Summer, Ian, Tracy, Keith, Jeremy, and Reese, all those people who make the show possible. Uh, so go ahead and submit uh, your questions now, and we will get to them near uh, the end of the show. But before we get started, if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal to me if you click that like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. We're still three months young. Uh, Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. And keep an eye out for a clip of this episode and much more to be appearing on the uh, gateworld.net and dial the gate YouTube channels. Mel Harris, welcome to our show. Hello. Hello, David. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have you. How are things in upstate New York? They are, um, they're they're calm and peaceful, which is nice. And um, a little bit snowy. We've had a lot of snow and cold. Please give me in Phoenix. It's like, yeah, well, uh, we're all sitting here wishing we could go on a warm vacation. (laughs) So we're even. Jeez. You have some memorabilia, if I'm not mistaken. I do. I have, I have actually one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia from all things I've done, um, but it, it happens to be from Stargate. Would you like to see it? <laughs> Please and thank you. Ah! <laughs> and it has your signature on it. Yes, because they asked me to sign these. They were doing some, I don't know, some sort of promotion or giveaway or I don't know. Do I look anything like her anymore? <laughs> um, yeah, letter. I think it was Letterbox or someone like that. Skybox, I think. They do every season. Um, yeah, uh, season cards. Trading yeah, cards. yeah. I was like, well, I'm never going to get one for playing baseball, but this works. This works. <laughs> that is so cool. So, yeah, and, it's really fun. And you posted uh, – a card from one of the role-playing games as well uh, on yeah. uh, one of the social uh-huh. media feeds. So anytime that Omidasala enters, like everyone gets ascended or so I forget what the exact. Yeah. They exact... get ascended and they get skills or something like that. I don't know. I'm a very <laughs> giving character, you know, <laughs> That's exactly she likes right. to give, she makes the path hard for people to learn, but she likes to give. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a, history with this character it's so hard to believe that this was 2001 just right around the time of september 11th uh when you stepped foot on that stage um but i want to get to that in just a minute here i i wanted to know um a little bit about your formative years who was mel as a young person and what were her dreams and goals you know, I was a um, basically a, an athletic tomboy from you know middle class New Jersey. That's where I grew up. My dad was a football coach at Princeton University, and my mom taught at the high school, taught science. And um, yeah, I mean, my my dreams and aspirations. I never thought I would be doing this or being an actor. I actually was going. I wanted to be the female F. Lee Bailey when that was something to aspire to. And if I insult anybody by saying that, I'm sorry. But when 
you know, to be a criminal defense attorney and I have a very legalistic mind. So that was sort of what I sent out to be, but um, that's not the path that life handed me. So it changed and I'm very grateful for it. So do you, um, so you think that you could have, you could have practiced law? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Is yeah. It... Anybody that, anybody in my family that I've ever argued with would probably confirm that choice. <laughs> I can see it. Absolutely. So, um, who are some of, by extension of that, who are some of your um, personal and professional uh, heroes? Who are the, the people who helped to shape you into the, the person you are now? Yeah, well, I start with my mom. My mom, hands down, taught me that I could do whatever I wanted to do if I wanted to work for it. It didn't matter. She didn't really see gender all these many, many years ago. And she was fabulous because I went to the high school where she taught. So, so many of my friends and things had my mom. So my mom absolutely is, is first and foremost. And then I was really attracted in terms of, of um, historical figures. I was attracted to women who did things that were different and unusual. Um, like it, for instance, so funny, cause we watched Madame Curie the other night. The, the uh, movie yes. that's out, it's fantastic. But women of that ilk who did things that different Florence Nightingale and Clara Barton and Madame Curie. And um, in real life, it was, it was, um, you know, Peggy Fleming when she skated and, and, the, and, you know, Olympians being an athlete and a tomboy, that was always something that I um, pretended to be. I don't, I can't say that I aspired to be that, but certainly um, we grew up near a place where you could go, uh, ice skating at night and we went and, you know, we all pretended we were Peggy Fleming or, you know, Dorothy Hamill or whoever that was at that time. So, um, and, and, and mentor wise in our real, in a real world, those are certainly real world people, world people. Um, I, I learned from a lot of different levels of people. I weren't learned from peers that I worked with. I learned from people that I worked for or under, I guess would be a, a better thing. And I really learned a lot in my life. Um, before I was an actress, I was a model. And I'm a middle-class girl from New Jersey. I think maybe we went to New York City three times as, as a child. And at 18, I ended up moving to Europe and modeling. And such an awakening of what the world was and that there were different cultures and what that means. And to this day, I'm an avid traveler. I haven't traveled this year. Yeah, same. Um, but I've been all over the world uh, through work or just personally. And, and that's been incredibly formative to me, uh, along with my mom's influences as to how I view the world, how I view people, um, how I treat people. It's, it's, it's a really interesting educational thing. And I don't understand why everybody doesn't want to do it. I, com- I could not agree more. I spent the better part of a year uh, in the Philippines. And oh, fantastic. Uh, it, it, it's amazing how displacing yourself transforms uh your identity if you allow it to and not necessarily like your well in some cases some of your views for sure but it just broadens your palette and helps you to realize that no it's not all just about us you know there's no, there's a no, bigger place out there with a different yeah. a bunch of different cultures that don't behave like we do i remember you know getting the door slammed in my face and no one turned around in the philippines to hold the door for you and it took me forever to get over that it's little things like that that I think help you grow and yet they're as an human incredibly being. gracious and kind people and happier than you know we I mean? are. Yeah, and they yeah. look up to us, and it's like you're the ones to be envied. <laughs> but that's it; those things, the cultural differences in our world, that make our world interesting, uh, whether we agree with all of them or not. It's a whole other story. That's exactly right. But give yeah. us, you have to give yourself the opportunity to experience those things yourself. I think so, and I think that's even true in the United States. I think that we could all be well served by opening ourselves up to what other um, areas of our country are like. And I've, and I've been very lucky by virtue of my, my work to travel a lot in, in the States and work in the States um, as well as Canada. And, you know, when you work somewhere, you get a different view of things because you work with locals, you work with crews, you work with how they live and what that means. And, you know, we're a very big, big country. And yeah. You know, given everything that's going on, I think we could all use some sort of intercountry travel programs to yeah, exactly. acquaint ourselves with what other people deal with. Get a, get a little um, down to earth perspective, you know, because yeah. it's so easy to just say, "Well, why aren't you thinking like me?" Well, exactly. Know, I don't live yeah. where you live. <laughs> exactly. That can mean a lot. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So you go you go to Europe and and uh, to model. 
uh, is that when you discovered acting? Was that somewhere around that time? Or? No, well, you know, no, I didn't discover it till later. You know, it's okay. so funny. I did a commercial for a, a company called Woolworths, which was like a dime store, a five and dime store. And I did this commercial. I worked one day and I may, and I was, I was 19, 20 years old at the time. And, you know, very blessed in terms of the kind of money I was making. It was never like super, super model, but I still made a very nice living. Um, but I did a commercial, a national commercial, and I made a lot of money. And I thought, now this is the way to go. And then I realized that if you could talk a certain way and do the commercials, you could make even more. So I really focused on learning to talk. I started taking voice lessons and I started studying acting with Lee Strasberg. Oh, and wow. Not really intending to be an actor. I, I just didn't have that in my brain. I'd done high school plays and things like that, but that was more social aspect than, um, oh, I want to be an actor. And through a series of events, I ended up many years later, I just had my son who's now 36. I hope I got that right. Um, <laughs> probably kill me. And, uh, and I ended up in LA. I just had my son. I'd taken a year off. Um, and a friend of mine who used to be the receptionist at Wilhelmina Models in New York called me up. She was working for an, uh, a Hollywood manager. And she said, have you ever thought about acting? And I said, no, not really. I've got this great commercial career going. And my baby's a year old. And I don't know. She said, well, let's meet and have lunch. So we met and had lunch and she's a lovely person. Um, and so we did. And she said, well, you know, if you want, we'd like to represent you. Let's, you know. See, so we, we kind of started that. It took me seven or eight months to find an agent. At the time, I think I was 27. And one, one agent in particular said, well, you know, I mean, we like her and she's nice and stuff, but she's a little old to be starting and we already have two just like her. Now, to me, that's just fuel for the fire for me to say, well, I'll show <laughs> Good you. Good for you. I'll show you, honey pie. And, you know, and I did. And then I found an agent. I was really, really lucky, very blessed. My first job was a pilot when the pilots were two hour movies of the week, right. this was in the, in the eighties. And um, with David soul and this amazing cast, it was an Aaron spelling production um, in Hong Kong. I got to go to Hong Kong for five or six weeks. It's I mean, it was fabulous. And then I, it just took off after that in the following pilot season, I got 30 something, which completely changed my life, but it was, I don't want to say it was a lark because I certainly had studied acting for a while and I was very serious about it, but I, I just never thought of it as a, as a profession or a career. Are you ever surprised at 30 somethings enduring legacy? I mean, like Stargate, it's just one of those things you yeah. can't stamp it out. You know, people, people continue to reach back to it with fondness and say, you know what, this, this was a show that, that gave me comfort. You know, and I remember as a young man, I, I'm only just a couple years older than your son. You know, I just, it was, it was a show that we put on in the house and it made us all feel good and feel secure is not the right word. Safe is not the right word, but there was something, there was something really wholesome about it. Did hope help you understand anything about yourself over the course of the show's run um, I always... <laughs> later in life? I always say that, um, that, that, that Hope and I um, look a lot alike, but we're not the same people. <laughs> but um, no, you know, I don't know if it's so much the character. I was so blessed to work on that group with the 30-something gang, with the writers and the directors and the, the, the seven original actors, as well yeah. as others that came. I mean, we're all still friends to this day. And, um, and so blessed by that. It's very unusual in, in, in my business anyway. Um, the whole process of, of of working on an hour show and what that meant. I remember the very first time someone recognized me and I'm a pretty private person. Um, I was at the gas station with my son who was maybe, uh, he was maybe three and, and someone came up to me at the register and I was so shocked. I was just, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, uh, yeah. But and people were really nice. So that was, yeah. so the whole, there's a whole learning process. You know, I didn't, I didn't go to college. I deferred from Barnard um, to uh, model and make money to go to college. And I deferred for a couple of years. And then the way life took me, I just never went back. So I have always considered um, the work that I've done, particularly 
as in 30 something, you know, I always think the 30 something was my bachelor's degree in, in yeah. work and life and, and other things that subsequently come to do um, sort of my master's as I go on and on pretty soon. I'm going to have about 20 doctorates at this level, <laughs> but um, all worth nothing. But uh, it was the whole gang, the whole process was so wonderful. I remember sitting at the, the, the museum of arts and sciences, they do these panels and you go and see it. And we were all lined up and, there were about 20 of us on the stage, writers and actors. And I was up at the end next to Kenneth and then Ed and Marshall, Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz, who were the creators and writers and directors of, of 30 something. And everybody came up and they were all telling their stories. I was very green when I did 30 something, very, very green. And everybody up along the whole line is talking about how green they all were. And when they got to me, I said, well, hell man, if I knew that you were all as green as I was, I wouldn't have been so nervous about being with you all. So it was just that wonderful kind of troop. Yeah. You know, we were a troop and we supported each other so much, had each other's backs, um, occasionally fought about something. But, you know, we uh, to this day, if I called anyone up from that experience, that group and said, I need this, I need a favor. Can you help me? In a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Yeah, the the, the caliber of actors there. Patricia Weddick, whew. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy the 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 quality of of uh, of actors that 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 show produced, and you know, you, you really are blessed if you have an opportunity like that. You know, oh, beyond blessed because they don't come around every day, and yeah. it's to be remembered for something so positive. You know, that in itself is a blessing. Oh, you were the murderer and such and such or, you know, what? No, no, I was, yeah. I, I, I'll probably be known for this and that's okay. No, and it's crazy and it follows you everywhere. I was in, I was in, in, um, in Spain, not recently, but Spain last year and I was in the Prado and I have a baseball cap on. I don't wear makeup unless I'm on screen. I'm just walking around and I'm recognized in the Prado in the middle of the day with my baseball cap on and my husband and I, we just walk away and go, that's crazy. It's just crazy. But you get that, you get these characters who come in, they form a group, you know, not unlike the Stargate group, you, you love those four central people, characters that core, some you like more than others, you identify one way or another. I mean, Amanda was great because there was a chick in there and doing <laughs> badass stuff. And and yet she had a lovely soft side to her that they showed. So yeah, you're really, really lucky to be able to do that. Before I get into Stargate, I, I always like to ask the actors uh, about uh -huh. a role which stretched you in ways that you didn't perhaps think were possible or more challenging then appeared on the surface. Can can you tell me about one? Yeah. Um, some are more than others. Certainly 30-something was because it was a, such a, a, a long span of, of taking that character and living with it. I have two others. Following 30-something, I did a comedy, uh, which I'd always wanted to do. You know, I turned down a lot of shows after 30-something that were similar kind of dramas I wasn't really interested in. But the comedy came along, and that was really fun and really stretched me. It's a totally different production process. It's in front of a live audience. They tape. It's it's totally, totally different. So that was great. And the other was I did a movie, uh, movie of the week when they were still being done about a woman who survived a hurricane in a lifeboat, and she was five months pregnant. And... There, there were a lot and being an athlete, I really loved it because there were a lot of stunts. And so you had to do the emotional characteristics of this person. And yet you had the physical of it. Um, I remember we shot in Australia. And the day we went into uh, the set that had a tank, big, big water, mm -hmm. huge water tank. And I'm standing there with like a ripped sweater and, and sweatpants on. That's all the character has left that, that she yeah. survived this hurricane. She ended up in the lifeboat. Um, and around me, all the grips, the crew, everybody is putting on like full body wetsuits. And I thought, oh, man, oh I'm in for it now. And it was it was an incredibly arduous, hard uh, shoot. And 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 to to continue to play your character and how much of your own personal hurt, angst, sores, bruises, whatever it is, bringing in how you meld that together. So that was very challenging. Um, and I loved it. It was great because, you know, they said, oh, no, we'll bring the stunt girl. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to bring the stunt girl. in." so I would have lots of fights with people all through my career. I've had I've had a lot of discussions 
with people who said, okay, it's time for the stunt girl. Like I did one, I wanted to take a burn. I've never taken a burn. And they were, no, 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 no. I said, I'll just do it lightly. And then you can all stand and do it. And then they, I, I'm very good at persuading people to let me do that. Um, so, <laughs> insurance, so Mel, insurance. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I said, you'll just get another brunette. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh my God, that's great. Were you offered the role of Alma Dasala? Did you audition for her? You know, I, I thought about this the other day. I think I was offered the role, but the real reason that... I ended up on Stargate is because of my son. Major, major Stargate fan. We used to, it used to be appointment television for us to watch together along with the oh, sign. You watched show. with him. Oh, we watched together, which is how I even knew about it. And I think that I was going up to Canada to do work on another show. And I think I wangled an invite to go and visit the set. And uh, and I think out of that, then they offered me the character. It, it's something like that. Or we visited the set while I did the character. Later. But my son, we still have pictures of us standing in front of the gate together, um, which is really, really, um, yeah, because he was probably about when I first started, maybe 12 or 13 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, I really owe Oma Dasala to my son. Uh, so yeah. you... All you guys... Byron's fault. It's all Byron's fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you guys knew who Daniel was and like his, the journey that he had gone on. Yeah. No, we, we had fought, we had been following the show. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was something that we did when you made appointment TV because something was on Friday at 10 or whatever time it was. It wasn't, wasn't like now where you can just sit down and stream all 10 seasons. Did you, oh, that's true. We binge all of it. Did you, did you rewatch Maternal Instinct? I did. I did. What, what did you think of that episode? No, I liked it. It's a quiet it. show. It's a quiet show. No, absolutely. And and I also watched um I watched Threads and I and I watched the whole sort of grouping. Because I, I mean, thought no, it before, been, it been before a couple you were of hired. moments. Yeah, no, before because I had seen every we watched it every week. Right. Right. Okay. So we watched it it, it every week. Yeah. So okay. it's um yeah what were um, your impressions from that character in Meridian? Who she was and, and, and who, and who she was in, in maternal instinct. She's obviously fostering uh, Shifu, the Harsesis child, but by the time that we see her, he's gone and done his own thing. And she's back alone again, kind of watching over us on the astral plane. Right. Or however you well, care to look at it. Yeah. 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 I mean, for me, Oma, has always been, you know, I've always called it a wonderful part because I got to play an eternal goddess, as I call her. And, um, but the, the, the enlightenment and all, it all feeds into when I'm on camera with her being her, what that plays with. Like, I always thought that the dialogue for Oma was incredibly challenging because the cadence I didn't feel, not that it wasn't human, but it wasn't normal. It wasn't um like trip off your tongue boom 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 kind of thing uh it was the other than the the the, the double meaning to it the actual order of words and verbiage was was very very different and very challenging and you know you can do everything you can wear like i wore my oma blue i don't know if you noticed i wore my oma blue today <laughs> and um but you could do that in the light and all yeah. of those things that they put on you and you can make the formation but then especially in the scenes they're so important the words that are being spoken are so important and yet you come away when you're watching it and you go what the hell is she talking about and so for <laughs> me it was all they did such a great job of putting that into a character that that for me made me pay attention to what she was saying because she was so different and so much of her own so all of the things that you bring from the back into the forward of when you're you're actually on camera are really important was this the most powerful entity you'd ever played yeah probably other than myself in the morning when i wake up but um, <laughs> She controls no, no, weather, absolutely. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, because she's she's otherworldly. She's mm. in, in, in enlightened. She's eternal, incredibly powerful, uh, wise as hell. And, yeah. you know, I liked all that. It was great. 
I loved that, and we'll get to this in a minute, there were chinks in her armor. She was not perfect. And in fact, she is the resulting uh, uh, cause of one of our greatest adversaries from trying to do something good. She yep. created something that was... He made very... a little bad choice. Right, exactly. Yeah. Ascension is not for everyone, lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> How aware were because you would you would watch the show? How aware were you of the gravity of Meridian at the time you were shooting it? I mean, Michael's leaving. I, you know, I know. this is I, a big I deal. Watched it. It is a big deal. But but the other thing is, I don't want to for the for the normal fan, the average fan. I think that that's incredibly powerful and impactful. But I, for my business deal in reality and fantasy it's you know what i do is not reality it's fantasy i make i'm making it up i'm making my performances up i'm bringing them from somewhere it's not i'm not as much as i love playing oma Sala, i'm not oma Sala right. in the in the real world i play these characters so for me i think that um it may not have been as impactful because me it's i probably thought oh he's probably got a great job lined up somewhere you know, in the practical world, but in the series world, in the show's world, it's very impactful. Absolutely. Yeah. It's people will go on Facebook to this very day into the Stargate groups and be like, I am a new fan. I just saw it for the first time. I bawled my eyes out. I was devastated. Yep. Um, yep. Did, did you and your son watch the episode together when it, when it aired later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. We did. Was it the course. big deal? too it was all a big deal it's like well you know I, he may have said why are they getting rid of them yeah <laughs> okay also, you know my kids are raised on a set so yeah, my true. kids have a really good sense of fantasy and reality okay that's... more than the normal um person kid anyway young person so so the dialogue yeah. proved to be uh, a challenge oh yeah absolutely absolutely if you listen to the words they're different and and so not only is the cadence cadence different in the way that they wrote them, but you also realize that she's in, in, in imparting to Daniel um, clues and some of her knowledge without giving away what she's not by the rules allowed to give away. Yeah, so, she's walking on a minefield in yeah, her plane. Exactly. But she doesn't she doesn't play it that way. You don't sense that from her. Maybe a little bit in in threads at the end, but, um, but that comes as a surprise, which is nice because the writers did a great job with that. Absolutely. I always yeah. wanted, I always wondered how hot were those lights? You know, I don't remember them being terribly hot. Really? But okay. Also, well, but you're, I'm on a stage and the stage is a giant place. It's a big space. It's a big space. And so you might be in there in that concentrated moment while you're shooting. Um, but then you can go off and do it. So it's not the reality of it isn't like you're standing there for years and years and years. And also, I'm really, really good at just tuning out the world as I need to. Turning out the noises on a set or anything that goes and using the lights or whatever it is that I'm given to, to work with to... Uh, to put that into my character and whatever that means. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. How was it working with Shanks? You, you worked fabulous. You had, you shared one scene with Rick. Um, yeah. But it, Michael was really who, who almost was, was there great. for The whole Daniel group was. was great. Yeah. But the whole group was great. They were so welcoming and so lovely. It was, which, which is really nice. Some sets you go on and people are like, yeah, Hey, whatever your turn. Um, and others, and but Jeez. others, they were like, and I don't know what their interpersonal stuff was at all. I don't mm -hmm. know any of them off the off the set. Um, but they they were so they seemed so together and so cohesive. I think what you see on screen is a really wonderful troupe of actors that have worked together and know each other's ins and outs and and all of that. And and it comes across on the screen as people who care and support each other as the characters they're playing it you, you can fake it you know you hear of these stories of yeah. of troops yeah. that are just like you know we really didn't get along but when it was on screen we made magic 
Yeah, that's, think... well, that is our job. I am an illusionist by trade. So that's your job. Absolutely. But it, it's I'm... nice if, like, you, like in your case with 30-something, you can actually, you know, um, fall in love with the people that you work with, too. So. No, no, it's 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 it really is lovely. But also, I've worked with a, a few people. I've been very lucky, but there's few people that I hope I never ever have to work with again. <laughs> of course, of course. Very like simple. any of us in our jobs, it's like, well, I'm staying away from them, man. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh here he comes, damn it. There you go. <laughs> you returned to the character uh, three years after Meridian. Right. Did you see that one coming? No, I didn't. It was sort of a nice little Benny that kind of came out of nowhere because, first of all, I love Vancouver where they shot. Mm. Love, love, love Vancouver. It's one of my favorite cities. And, you know, I I mean, once again, I did this job because of my son. Mm. And I knew of it. And and I don't know if I would have done it without him because I probably wouldn't have known the show and I wouldn't have known the characters. And and I wouldn't have said, hey, you want to go hang out on the set with me, which is, you know, a lovely thing to do. So I... Um, that it continued was was great. And I love to see, I loved her as a character. She's very, um, one of those indelible characters in my in my little bag of people I've carried along. Absolutely. And so to go back and revisit that, that's a lovely thing. And to be able to talk normally in this one. Yes. Robert yes. Cooper created a, a, an, ex, I think it was Rob that created the threads. He gave... An environment change that allowed you to right, have. But she didn't completely talk like a normal person the whole time. No. How big is the ocean? So you can't see the bottom or something like yeah. that. And yeah. But even like how she takes a waffle order. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But that's actually, you can go online and, and, um, and find all the translations for those. That's funny. That's great. Mystery in the alley. I forget what that was. It's like eggs over easy or something. Those are those are real. Oh world yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I my first my first job other than babysitting was waiting tables. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> in, in in New Jersey, a little place down the Jersey Shore called the Hut. Ah, were you good at it? I was really good at it. Oh, I sucked. I was really good. As a matter of fact, if you look here, you go. Okay, guys, here's a little thing. If you look during threads at the back of Oma's hair, there's a pencil in it. For taking her orders and that came from me working at the hut in new jersey i would keep my pencils in my hair i, I, I had long 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 hair i knew they had braids or a ponytail but most of the time it was a ponytail and i would keep my pencils in my hair well because you always lose them when you when you need a writing implement you never have it totally. so that was always my problem too so that that's the i remember the pencil you might have trouble cool. putting in your ponytail <laughs> no i kept them in my pocket so um i am fascinated by um this this episode because she is we see a how do i want to put it we see like a metaphor of her world of of where it is that she's been operating and in this in this case she is she is serving other beings that are just kind of chilling and enjoying whatever kind of afterlife that they have did you have any personal interpretations for what was going on there? Because it seemed to be like she was the only one who gave a crap and was doing anything other than her opponent. Right. Well, I, my interpretation of the cafe was that they hadn't reached full enlightenment at that oh. point. Oh. So that they they were at a like a way I always saw it as a way station. That was that was my thing. And she was there as guide and as ad- advisor if she chose to be and that um, kind of thing. So um, I think that the, the serving people and taking care of people, I think, showed um, a reflection of what I felt was a nurturing side of, of Oma without being without negating who she was and without being too maternal. Interesting. Okay. So those, those people were also potentially candidates as far as you were concerned. That's what, that was my thought. If, should they choose to be, or should I think that they had potential enough that I would do that? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you, when you, when you watch threads and you see the end of it, you wonder if she's working on trying to um, uh, absolve her guilt over some of the choices that she's made and you know, almost own personal reparations. 
for yeah. for what she's done in eternity of combat. Yeah, eternal combat. Yeah. What I mean, what a sacrifice. I I loved this character, and she meant the world to me. And it's like, even though we're not going to get to perhaps more than likely see her again, you know, this it really is kind of a fitting conclusion for her role. It was great. It was, well, and once again, to see a, a woman portrayed in a female form, which is clearly what she comes. She could have been a guy. Lord knows there's enough guys on Stargate in, in all <laughs> sorts of forms and figures. That's why I like having Amanda there because it's just to see a chick in that, that uh, role right. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but that she has that power and the choice to do what she does at the end of Threads, I think is, is it's great. And, and, you know, this was, this was a few years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the movement has gained speed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that she, it's such, it's such a strong character that you're not playing because of her. Um, she, she doesn't exist because of her female characteristics, you know, she exists because uh, of who she is, you know, and I think it's really that it was refreshing. It was a refreshing part, I think. I agree. I agree. Do you believe something happens to us after we die? Could there really be a great path for us to walk? Um, well, I, um, uh, yeah, um, I do believe in, in, in reincarnation. I, it's not really something I had ever thought about it. And then I read, I'm not going to remember this. Uh, I, mean, I read a book called Many Lives, Many Masters a number of years ago, written by, I believe, a Harvard psychiatrist. And it's chilling. It's really, really chilling. And it, um, so it, it, I'm a very spiritual person. And uh, so I do believe that, I don't know what we come back as, but we, um, or, or how we do, I don't know if it's always in a, in a what we consider a human form, but mm-hmm. I, I think that our spirits continue to, continue to exist i wasn't ever a big fan of ghosts or anything like that until my no, mother, i'm not really ghost person. my, well, oh. my mother until my mother experienced something and convinced oh all of us and it was like something's happening some something is going on um and i mean wow. the electromagnetic spectrum is huge and we in our technology can only see a little piece of it so that's very true what is next for you uh, any upcoming projects we should be on the lookout for? I Are you hanging back anything... through COVID? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging back and I'm, you know, not, not out much at all. I'm not, I'm trying to st- not be a statistic, needless to say. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the year and, and COVID kind of messed us up. We were doing a 30 something reunion show. I was going to ask about um, this. Yeah. 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 With an amazing cast, the kids had grown up. Um, it just, you know, so so such a great cast and we had done read-throughs we had done a read-through for abc and we were all supposed to have dinner that night and it got canceled literally this was um the 12th or the 13th of march and that was you know everybody a lot of people talk about the travel industry and how decimated it is and the small businesses and dining industry and they absolutely have been um but not as much focus on to the entertainment business and how decimated it has been um, Broadway, forget about it. It's 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 so hard, Such and a, many many people are struggling. It's a tragedy, and in the acting business too. I mean, they're they're shutting down production in California yet again. Um, so it's uh, it's it's really really been a tough time for for the entertainment business. Really tough. So we'll see. But I do right now have a movie out on Apple TV and Amazon Prime called King of Knives. King of Knives. Yes, it's about one. Happy crappy family is the is the tagline on it, and um, so so please go and see it if you like it. Review it, but it's um, I had a wonderful time doing. It. I did it two summers ago. Um, we shot it in New York and with Gene Pope and Roxy Pope and Emily Bennett. And this just lovely, wonderful cast. It's an independent film, which I always think is wonderful to support them. A lot so more that's of that what I happening have out right now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. no yeah, King of Knives. I'll I'll link yeah. to it in the description after. Uh... I go Thank find you. It. That would be lovely. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, I have some fan questions ready for you here. Uh oh, let's go. <laughs> John forty two. Oh, John, I didn't want to ask her this. She's okay. Uh oh. If you immediately I'm a big know, girl, I can handle it. It's well, all right. no, it's not that. It's just 
what what's it's the ongoing question with 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 these zen cones if you immediately know the candlelight is fire the meal was cooked a long time ago mel do you know what that means <laughs> no but i didn't have to know i just had to say it really really well that's right <laughs> and we asked you that i think like 15 years ago or something you said i don't know but i mean the meal probably wouldn't be any good there you <laughs> that go your answer exactly then. exactly <laughs> Uh, Claire Burr, the very famous line, you know which one. Uh, did you ever tr- attribute any... Uh, so I guess that the one that was just stated. Did you ever attribute any meaning of your own to it? Or were you told by the writer what it was supposed... Were you told by Rob what it was supposed to mean? I wouldn't imagine it means anything. I think it's just a non sequitur. Well, it could be a non sequitur, but could you also put the the, 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 the definition to it that you know, it's so funny. I was having a discussion the other day with my husband about what fire must have been to people when it first came to to be, that they probably thought it was godlike. And if you look at the yeah. difference between a candlelight, which is a tiny little fire, and fire, the word in general, it's a much bigger thing. And therefore, if you're if you're cooking with it, then it's probably overload and it's done. That's kind of a logical explanation one could put to it. But I don't think that I think that that almost um, uh, dialogue was important. And like I said before, had clues in it and was meant to be spoken in a way because they wrote it that way that made you listen, really, really listen. And in that way, it was important to clearly everybody listened to that line. I th- ab- No, absolutely. Uh, it's uh... yeah. Terry Chen first spoke it in Maternal Instinct. And it's just like kind of one of those that have slowly burned its way pardon the pun through the through the series <laughs> and i think i think also like to what to your point she's opening doors for people but she's not pushing them through those doors she's saying this is what's possible and she's like daniel's like glow me do your thing and she's not going to show him how to do it she may tell him i mean eventually she tells them okay they're trying to revive you tell them to stop and he intrinsically right. kind of is aware of how to do that. But she's always been a door opener. She's never been one to to push people along their path because that's not the point. Well, it's not it's not the point, but it's also not how it works. Because if you want true and lasting entitlement. Enlightenment. And, and, and to be a ter- enlightenment, I'm sorry. Entitlement's a whole other thing. <laughs> enlightenment, then you have to want it yourself. You have to do the work for it. It's not a given. That's you have true. to earn it. William Aarons, was the way you portrayed Oma influenced in any way uh, by your years in the role of the domestic goddess in 30-something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, domestic goddess, eternal goddess, what's a goddess, a goddess, you know? Um, you know, as I said before, 30-something, so informed so much of what I did because it was such a wonderful troupe of learning, acting, producing, directing, writing, all of those things that, that we could do or that we were blessed with having wonderful things. So it, it take I, I, that experience followed everything that I did thereafter. I mean, certainly learning eight page scenes of dialogues, mostly which could have a three page monologue in it was absolutely beneficial for learning Oma's dialogue. Cause it was hard. Cause it's not my normal not even close to way I think normal people speak. Right. No, it's, and it's not meant to be, you know, she is, exactly. she is alien. She is, I believe was human. The ancients were human, but they aren't us, you know, and nope. to, to get to, to get to attribute, um, an otherworldliness to a character, you know, has always got, got to be fun. Oh, it was a total gasp because it's how do you take that, especially knowing the show, being a fan of the show because of watching it with my son, to take that and, you know, it's a big responsibility to take a character like that who is so different mm. and such a focal point for where they're moving mm-hmm. and and make her work. Now, very blessed that the writers gave me things to work with, but it's, I, you know, I felt it was a responsibility. I didn't take it lightly at all. Terry McGinnis. Do you think Oma will ever win the war with uh, Anubis? Of course. You think so, huh? You you doubt otherwise, young man? If Terry's a boy. 
<laughs> I um, think Terry's a guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I had there's not there's no doubt, Terry. I can't believe you would even question it. <laughs> Akos Thomas Navaki, was it a challenge as an actress to add a vulnerable, almost shameful side to a near perfect, almost angelic character after the revelation that even she was fooled by our one of our greatest enemies. Right. Um I think it just made the character that much richer and put a side to her that I did not see coming. I remember reading the script and going like, oh, got me. That's great. And I love that. I love to be, to not know something's coming. Absolutely. Uh, Henchman 314, I think you kind of already answered this a little bit. Did playing Oma uh, affect your spiritual outlook at all? Uh, I brought my spiritual element to Oma. To Oma. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, Spin a Fuser. Have you seen uh, Stargate Atlantis or Stargate Universe? No, I have not. Okay. Did you finish watching SG-1? I did. I did. We watched the whole thing together. Oh. And we were such devotees by then. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. we're on board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you think of it? How did you feel about the ending? Losing the Asgard and, you know. Uh, I, I mean... There were so many ways it could have gone and so many it's ways true. to wrap something up as with every show. So um, not being in creative control of that, I, you know, I, I just thought it was good. I was surprised it even ended. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's just all good things, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Teresa MC, finally. Uh, Mel, would you return to uh, a new Stargate series? Absolutely. What fun. Yeah, Brad Wright is is working uh, on uh, with MGM on potentially coming out with a, f- a fourth series. So nothing's oh, beyond right. the realm of possibility. No, but I mean, and there's there's such there's such appetite for things. For I mean, who sits down and watches a show once a week anymore? I don't. I want to binge it. I want it to be out there. I want to watch it all. And I, I just think we have some voracious appetites for good stuff. Absolutely, I think we have really entered the golden age. Uh, of of much of of television now that so many of these are uh, serialized. It's like we get to watch chapters of a novel week after week. There's a lot of good stuff yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, which is great. It's a complete turnaround. There was a time when you couldn't sell an hour drama that was serialized because people wouldn't watch it. People wouldn't follow it. They wanted comedy. They wanted the half hour they could syndicate. They would, I mean, it's just completely... Whoosh, changed completely changed yeah well thank you for sharing um your upcoming project with us and i'm definitely gonna go and check it out and this has been this has made my week so i really appreciate so sweet thank you you for having me it's really lovely so really um, lovely we i i want to uh at some point uh down the road do episode commentaries and i would love to have you back and i hope you consider Oh, it would be my pleasure. Absolutely. Of course. Thank you so much. And I'll, pleasure. Um, I appreciate your time. You can, you can go ahead and disconnect and uh, I okay. will speak to you again at some point here soon. All right. Be well. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Everybody. Mel. Thank you, you for bet. coming. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Here, Mel Harris, dog. everybody. Yeah. Sala. So we have a new announcement to make. Uh, for trivia giveaways. Let me pull this up here. One of these communication stones is a screen-used prop. And one is a screen-accurate replica. For the month of January, Dial the Gate is giving away the replica. And in order to win it, you will need to use a desktop or laptop computer and visit dialthegate.com. Scroll down to submit trivia questions. Your trivia may be used in a future episode of Dial the Gate, either for our monthly trivia night or for our special guest to ask me in a round of trivia. There are three slots for trivia, one easy, one medium, and one hard. Only one needs to be filled in, but you're more than welcome to submit up to three. Please note the submission form does not currently work for mobile devices. Your trivia must be received before February 1st, 2021. If you are the lucky winner, I will be notifying you via your email right after the start of the new year to get your address. And congratulations to Batmall 
for winning the 3D printed Stargate and Ancient Keychain giveaway from the January contest at 3dtech.pro. I have artwork, ascended artwork to share as well. This is by Nebulon, and this is uh, Nebulon's, it says, Ascension Series, Stargate. Between Babylon 5 and Stargate is what made me want to do this Ascension Series. Unfortunately, the layout of this one kind of sucks, he says, or she says. I know I shouldn't have given Daniel glasses, but I wasn't sure if you'd know it was him without them. Oma represents the good and ascended beings. The Dosa represents the Ori. The city of Atlantis is to represent the Ancients, Orlantians, or Alterans in general. And then there's the giant aliens in Crystal Skull. We don't know if they were actually ascended, but they are energy beings, which is more the concept of this drawing. My sister and I, even after 200, the episode 200, still think Kezakotl is a furling. For this uh, coming week, we have an announcement for... Uh, for this coming week, it's going to be uh, our next shows are going to be on the 17th, Sunday, the 17th at 11 a.m. Gary Jones is going to be back for another fan interview. And at 1 p.m. Pacific time, we're going to have our third Stargate trivia challenge. And there will be much more audience participation in this one. So if you have been a fan of our past trivia challenges, I completely recommend that you uh, you come, come around for this one because this one's going to be a hoot. There's going to be a lot more participants and it's going to be a little off the wall. And then 3 o'clock Pacific time on the 17th, we will be returning to the briefing room. We haven't had a briefing room episode since episode number one. But we're going to be returning to the 2000 uh, to uh, news updates. So we're going to talk a little bit. Darren and I from GateWorld are going to be talking a little bit about uh, 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 the news uh, that Brad provided that he's still uh, working on another Stargate uh, uh, series. We're also going to discuss the uh, move in content to Netflix and the Blu-rays that have come out as well and any of the other Stargate news that's fit to print. Later on today, starting in just about one hour at 1 p.m. Pacific time, we're going to be joined by Mr. Corin Nemec, played Jonas Quinn in Stargate SG-1. And then at 3 p.m. Pacific time, Dan Shea, stunt coordinator for Stargate SG-1 and Sergeant Siler as well. I appreciate you all joining me for this episode, and we will be back shortly with Corin. My name is David Reed. Thanks again to Mel Harris. We'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.